The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. Good evening, listeners. I'm Leo. Emma is actually really, really sick in bed, so she's not in the studio with me. So um, conducting the interview of this evening is just yours truly. Um, We've actually got a little special show. We came by this topic in the best possible way, which is through our Twitter fan. For all our other listeners, you should know that we are always looking for Twitter fans. We're at VLW Radio. Um, Please be our fan and tell us how much you like or, okay, maybe are okay with the show. So our Twitter fan told us about the blog called Women Are Boring and is run by two PhD candidates working in Dublin, Catherine Connolly and Grace McDermott. We feature fascinating research by interesting women. The blog was founded in May 2016 to share fascinating research by women in all fields of academia and beyond from all over the world. So coming up in the show is my interview with them. Um, But first, as usual, I'm going to say a little ripe, which is that when I put my helmet on, it's quite quite an old helmet. I get kind of weird helmet dust in my hair and it it then like falls off of my head. I think it's from the little Velcro strips that that are inside the helmet. And so I always feel like I've got um, like this really weird, dusty, non-dandruff. It's anyway, very, very odd. And then my other gripe is that Phyllis, who uh, told us about that, she's our Twitter fan. She told us about the show. Uh, she's sick. Emma's sick. I can feel a little scratch at the back of my throat. I can see where this is heading. That is my gripe, people being sick as well. I've got a gripe of the week, which is mainly that I wasn't able to be there in the studio with you, which is very sad for me. Um, I really wanted to have a nice chat with the Women Are Boring blog. Um, But yeah, I've been quite ill. Um, I think similar to someone else who's got a gripe. And yeah, I've been very ill and I've had a sore throat and I thought that I could rectify this by um, chomping on uh, like a raw garlic clove. Uh, which actually was quite disgusting and also just made me burp loads. So I'm not sure that's really helped. In terms of my mini celebration, uh, my baby niece, who's very, very cute, baby Freya, um, she, I just got sent a video of her stacking three blocks into a tower, which I've been told is very advanced for her age. So I'm happy, excited that we've got a little baby genius in the family. In terms of being called boring, I definitely used to think that being called boring was like the worst insult in the world. Um, and that basically I'd rather some people hated me or didn't like me than thought that I was boring. I think I've kind of gotten over that a little bit. So, and I think actually now I kind of endeavor in my job to be as boring as possible. But for some reason, I don't think I hide my personality as well as I hope. So I hide like all the fun elements, but all the sarcasm shines through. So everyone I work with just thinks I'm incredibly sarcastic. I don't know that I experienced a huge amount of sexism during my academic studies, partially I think because because a cohort who studies psychology are mainly female. But I do think obviously when I studied philosophy that was, you know, completely driven by much older men. There is definitely that kind of old boys aspect of it. But I think that the case is probably very different if you're studying a kind of STEM subject, which I think one of our Twitter fans is gonna tell us a little bit more about now. Hi there. So I'm currently writing up a PhD thesis myself but I recently dropped out of academia, mostly because the prospects of a scientific career are very limited, especially for women. At least in Germany, where I live, it's very common to get contracts for only two years or even less. What makes things worse is a law that only allows people to be temporarily employed in academia for up to 12 years. So if you spend, say, five years on your PhD, you're left with seven years to become a full professor, because these are in fact the only people with unlimited contracts. 
I don't want to go into too much detail here, but what I'm trying to say is that the pressure on researchers is really high. As you might know, pretty much the only thing that counts in the scientific community are publications, and the findings need to be new and exciting and significant and all that. The working conditions might be especially bad in Germany, but I think it's true everywhere that a scientific career often requires moving cities and working unpaid extra hours. This is not exactly family-friendly, neither for women nor men. But it's still mostly women who drop out of academia. During the bachelor's and master's, the numbers are pretty even. But starting from the PhD, the percentage of women in academia declines, going down to only 10% in professorial positions. The dropout happens somewhere along the way, leaving very few role models for younger students. This is why I believe it's really important to acknowledge the work of women in academia. To me, the blog Women Are Boring does exactly that, and it's empowering to see what women do in all different kinds of fields, and I really hope it's encouraging girls and women to become, and also stay, scientists. Okay, so here's, here's the interview. Okay, um, I am Catherine Connolly. I am a PhD candidate in the School of Law and Government in Dublin City University. And I am one of the co-founders of Women Are Boring. Um, I'm Grace McDermott. I'm a PhD candidate at the School of Communications in DCU. Um, and the, I'm the other co-founder of Women Are Boring. Where did you both meet? In DCU, Dublin City University. Um, if you, when you're in the first year of your PhD, there are some um, compulsory kind of classes that you have to take on like research design and things like that. So we both actually met in one of those classes and we wouldn't have met otherwise. But in fact, a lot of our work actually overlaps quite a bit because my PhD is in international law and politics. And I look at how um, US targeted killings in Pakistan, Yemen and Somalia, for example, and the use of drones affects international law. And then Grace's research, she'll tell you about it, but it actually kind of has some overlap. I'm looking at Islamophobia in the US mainstream news and the role of Middle Eastern and Arabic journalists. And so you're both PhD candidates. What would you say is the most boring part of a PhD? And also, if you don't want to go on too long about that, what's the most exciting? The most boring part is sometimes also maybe the most exciting part. So sometimes it can be really, really boring to just sit and, you know, read for hours to try and find things that are relevant for your research. Then sometimes it's also really exciting, like when you find that that thing, that piece of research that is so relevant and, you know, that... um, kind of really ignites that passion that is there. That's the whole reason you're doing the PhD. So it's a double-edged sword, I think. So on to speaking about the blog, what prompted you uh, to set up the blog? Women in, you know, all different areas don't get enough coverage in the mainstream media. And so I kind of wanted to hear from more people like myself and Grace and like women who are in academia Mm. to hear more about their research and why they did it. When you tell a lot of people that you're doing a PhD or you work in academia, they actually have no idea what that means. Like they don't know what it is you do day to day and they don't know what your research is Mm. and we both thought that public engagement we think it's so important for academia and that you know you should be able to communicate your research effectively with people and people should be able to there should be an easy way for people to find out about academic research Mm. particularly because most people don't have access to academic journals or anything so they never actually hear about this really important and very interesting work that's being done. So that's in sort of the wider reach of it but do you feel that actually in your day-to-day job there's a gender imbalance? I actually work in corporate media during the day um, and I'm doing my PhD at night and I definitely see it kind of on both sides of things. I think part of the big problem is that, you know, women have come a long way, especially in the academic and professional spheres kind of in the last definitely 100 years. Um, But actually the media that's out there for women hasn't come that far, you know, in terms of what there is to read by women for women. A lot of the content seems to still revolve around what we look like and how to please our soon-to-be husbands. In terms of progress, whether it's academic or professional, you need role models. Uh, you need people to look up to and you need to know where to find them in order to model your own 
success and progress off what they're doing. So for us, because there is an imbalance, especially in academia, it's a huge imbalance with who gets published. The male-to-female ratio is pretty high in favor of men. Also, I was part of the Global Media Monitoring Project, which showed 24% of media covering women and like only 10% ever referring to females as experts. The imbalance is there, but it's also kind of the self-fulfilling cycle of not producing role models that can show women that they could enter these spaces and then, you know, upholding that same kind of imbalance when women reach the age where they could have those careers. Are there any particular subjects or areas that where there's where you've kind of maybe anecdotally noticed a greater gender imbalance? Certainly. I mean, like just today I read a report about um, national security and foreign policy. And gender is so important for national security and foreign policy issues. You know, how you frame peace agreements or how, you know, how even like war is gender, war affects different genders in different ways and in different places depending on the society. So anywhere that you go and have national security interests, gender has to be taken into account. But I read this thesis today and it was talking about how like a lot of national security experts in the US, they were interviewed um, confidentially and they just said, oh, well, you know, we can see why diversity might be important, but you don't need to take into account gender anywhere. But it's actually, you know, it permeates every kind of single layer of that. And it's really important. STEM, I think, yeah, definitely yeah. STEM. You see a big imbalance with STEM subjects, with the sciences that we've really seen. Yeah, I think women in science is something, again, um, I'm a social scientist and Catherine is, you know, law and we're not um, scientists, we're not engineers or biological scientists. And we talk to a lot of women who are, mm-hmm. and especially in the sciences, in the kind of natural sciences and stuff like that, that's where medical research comes from. That's progress that will save people's lives. And if there isn't women doing that type of research, women's issues will get overlooked. So in those areas, I mean, in every area, it's 100% important, but definitely STEM is something we see a lot less women in and a lot less women talking about it. And I find it like anecdotally then, you know, I think not so much a progression thing, but you still see that kind of like common, like everyday sexism where the person might even really realize they're doing it. So I was at a conference in February. Another guy that I knew was there. A professor came over to speak to both of us and I didn't know this professor, but the other guy did. This professor has met my boyfriend maybe like two or three times and the other guy didn't introduce me as being like, this is Catherine and she's a PHPT candidate in this place. He said, oh, this is, and then he said my boyfriend's name and he said, oh, this is his, this is his lover. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my what? God. I, kind of, I was so shocked that I didn't really know what to do at the time and I was mm. just like, yeah, okay, hi, my name is Catherine, nice to meet you. And then afterwards, I was so angry. I was like, there is no way he would have done that. To, like, he would not have yeah. had a guy walk up no. and be like, oh, this is this girl's lover, you know? So, yeah. oh, yeah, it happens everywhere. And definitely in academia, it's still a massive problem. So you both kind of made this leap to do a PhD. You both signed up to it. And, um, yes. <laughs> but, but do you feel like maybe you might have asked yourself more questions obviously you don't know what it's like being a man going into the same thing <laughs> but did you question do you think that gender has affected your choices in any way yes I would say you know I am in um now I'm doing my PhD at night and working during the day which was a decision made in a lot of ways because of my gender and that I'm in my mid-20s I'd like to have kids one day I want to earn money I want to make sure I have access to a financial stability that would enable me to have children even if that's 10 years down the line Mm. Um, and I think in a, a lot of ways, women our age specifically, women in their 20s and 30s, academia is not the safest place to have a career all the time. It's a hard place to grow a career. So that definitely has to do with me being a, you know, a female. But also in terms of what subjects I studied and views of what women can do, I was never even presented with the option of being a researcher or what a researcher does or anything like that until the last five or six years of my life. I think, yeah, gender for me, it's been, you know, something I've definitely always been aware of. And I'm sure, 
like in some ways it definitely must have affected me whether consciously or unconsciously but like for example I did my um master's in war studies in King's College in London and I think we were it was just the pure war studies MA and I think I was one of like five girls in a class of 35 like five women there was always the tone of surprise when I told people what I did my mm. master's in and when I said war studies they'd be like oh like history and development and I was like no like military strategy law of armed conflict and people are people are definitely surprised by that and a lot of men are surprised by that and men in the field who at this point should know better are surprised by that as well still I think. In terms of the stories that you feature on Women Are Boring for each of you what's your most memorable one? There's a woman in the UK who we published and um, she looks at how folk tales and fairy tales have an evolutionary benefit so we published one article by this girl Riam she is studying in England and she was looking at ways to use mobile phones to detect early onset Parkinson's. And it's this really simple way you kind of put your phone in your pocket and track these sort of, I'm probably calling them the wrong things, but like micro movements. And actually we have an article coming out tomorrow. Mm. This girl had covered where where are the girls in all of these films about child soldiers in Africa? Like what's the reality? Are there girls? Where are they? Um, and that was something I've been interested in for years and never had ever thought of. I think anyone can read any of the pieces if you have, you know, whether you've, like gone to college or you finished school early or anything and you will find it like readable and you'll find something interesting and you'll find something to learn there and there I don't think we I don't think there's any research up on the site that you would look at it and you would think what's the point all of it is really like really interesting and important I think just to hear the story behind it um of why you call the blog women are boring I was stuck in traffic on um the bus up to DCU one day and the phrase women are boring just like popped into my head and um I googled it quickly and saw that there were a lot of results for it and a lot of forums um, with people talking about how boring women are and like tons of people on Twitter, men and women saying, oh God, women are like so boring and you can't find, there's no such thing as an intelligent woman or, you know, you can't have like an intelligent and good looking woman. And I was like, this is so misogynistic and so awful. And then I said it to Grace because I was like, wouldn't this be a good, like, what do you think of this? And she thought, yeah, like it's, you know, tongue in cheek kind of. And also, like you've said yourself, Grace, it would make you angry. Yeah. So you'd go look at it. Yeah, I actually looked up of, of some. I typed in "women are boring" into Google to see what came up, and I got really depressed by the by the comments because also yeah. it's not just someone saying, "Oh, women are boring." It's like I'm genuinely wondering, like, what do women speak about? Because every time I'm near a woman, it sounds vapid. It's, awful. <laughs> it's like what women? What? <laughs> what are you yeah, doing? It's baffling. Like, who are you talking to? Or like. Do you just bother? Do you actually talk to women at all? Are you part of pushing the articles that go onto your blog and push them out into the wider world, or does it really stop at the blog? So yeah, one of our very first piece is by our very good friend Taima Kapit. She wrote a very yeah, she wrote the very first piece for us. She's amazing. She is from uh, Bosnia Herzegovina. She does a lot of work on how gender is really important in peace processes and why like women need to be at the table in peace processes. So her piece has since been published by. Um, an NGO that works a lot around there like in that kind of thing as well and by I think another organization who does that too um and that wasn't that wasn't even us pushing it out that was you know people came and approached us with her piece oh, wow. just yeah. really really good so it was amazing you know if we can get like her like people like Time and other women and have you know get their work seen by as many people as possible then yeah it's great it's really good. yeah what we're finding now is a lot of people coming to the site and actually coming to us asking if we know a female expert in a certain area because you know a lot of media outlets, a lot of businesses, et cetera, are trying to diversify their voices. Oh, and they actually don't know where to look. Yeah. Um, so people are coming down and saying, do you know an expert in biology? Do you know an expert in war and conflict? And we can say, yeah, we do. And she's a woman. So, yeah, in that way, we're pushing out. 
and mm-hmm. experts in all sorts of directions. So. I think what we're learning as well, the more we do this, um, and it's something that actually we spoke with someone about earlier today, there's an organisation uh, who does a lot of uh, work on helping companies with their diversity initiatives. And what this woman said who works in this is that it's not women that are the issue, uh, it's actually the structures themselves. Like women do everything that people say women don't do enough. Women ask for raises, women look for mentors, women, you know, work the harder, longer hours a lot of the time. Mm. Like there's a lot of people who say, oh, well, women, if they did this more and if they were more confident or, you know, more aggressive in their approach, then they get the bigger job. But that's actually untrue. Women do all of these things. A lot of the time it's the structures within they work and that's that's actually the issue. Like the problem is not the women, the problem is like the companies or the universities. And so you've kind of spoken about the impact of the blog there in terms of uh, people are actually approaching you and mm-hmm. you're putting people's names out there. Is there like a kind of quantifiable way that where you've like noticed already? It's it's a very young project. It was set up in 2015, I think. Is that right? Um, uh, no, this year. Uh, this year. Today. All right. Yeah. And it's already had such a huge impact. So it's clearly filling a filling a void. But is there is there yeah. a way that you've noticed that impact beyond what you've already said? Now, I have to say we were both really overwhelmed by the reaction as well. Like, we knew that it was something we were interested in, but when we started it, we didn't realize that it was going to take off so quickly or the appetite that would be there for it. Mm. So a lot of it has just been kind of word of mouth, what we've heard. And then I guess we haven't been able to quantify it, but, you know, we've picked up a lot of followers very quickly on Twitter. We um, heard about it, actually. I, I don't know if you know this story, but we heard about it through um, our Twitter fan. We have one fan who keeps keeps in touch with us, who we've never met. Oh. And she um, is in Germany. She lives in Germany and she's in academia in Germany um, in science. And she was just raving about you guys and said, like, oh, wow. please get in touch with these people. You need to you need to speak to these people. So she she's contributed a segment for tonight um, and she's really excited about this show. So, oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, well, can't wait to listen. Yeah, yeah I think. Oh, I think. I, yeah, she tweeted earlier to say that we were going to be on, and I wondered how she knew. Um, so that's that's amazing. Here, here, that kind of thing is incredible. Yeah. yeah. For me, the most hopeful part of this whole thing, the most inspiring thing for me, aside from reading awesome articles by women who are smart, is the fact that all like you hear a lot about women cutting each other down and this idea of like you know only negative competition and and kind of not being able to support each other. We hear a lot about this. This kind of like female aggression towards other females and things you know our website what it's shown is that there are women who will want to support other women they want to see other women succeed and do well mm. and and they want to have interesting conversations so i think the support aspect of it you know it's a solidaristic kind of thing to support other women in their academic pursuits or their intellectual pursuits or their life goals whatever and that's been huge even the mm. fact that somebody thought to tell you to invite us that's a re- someone who doesn't even know us yeah, I mean, like, she doesn't know us. Well, she does through the show. <laughs> we we feel like we know each other now. We've been in touch with her for a long yeah. time. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree that women are very supportive of each other, and that that's a it's a really odd stereotype that's come out of I don't know where in popular culture. Um, have you yeah. had any negative responses to the blog? Has anyone got in touch with you in an angry yeah. way? Oh well. <laughs> yeah, we knew that. Was, you know, that's how you kind of know, like you've made it in social media when you have a troll. We get like a fair few trolls. My favorite question, which we get all of the time, and it's always my favorite question to answer, is um, people ask us why we chose to feature um, women. This question always comes from a man, and every time they, I'm like, what? And they say again, why did you choose to feature women? And every time I ask them, why do governments? to feature men why do corporations choose to feature men why do movies and television and and every court system in the entire world choose to favor men 
when you can answer that question for me, I will tell you why we should. And then <laughs> most recent, we've also had, I have to actually say, that the people who approach us like kind of sounding baffled and say like, why is it called women are boring are usually also, like yeah. they're also guys as well. Like, not all men, it's like it's not all men, but it's always been men. Um, but we were at an event recently uh, that was held in Trinity College in Dublin called Pro, and it's all about public engagement research. And we were there at our stand, and we'd had incredibly positive like feedback from everyone who came to talk to us, and people were really excited. And then this man came, and he was just like the, the internet man, you know, personified. And he looked at us, and um, he said, oh, women are boring. You're trying to get attention with that name. And we were like, well, yeah, we'd, lo- we'd love attention. <laughs> um, and then he said, you should put a picture of Amy Schumer on the front of your on your site. And we were like, what? And he went, you you know, to increase your traffic. And we were like, you don't know what our traffic is. And he went, no, put a picture of Amy Schumer on it and people, people will come to your site. And he just said absolutely, like, he had no interest in the site at all. He just wanted to tell us what we should do. Wow. Was about what we should do when we finally when we managed to say to him like it's all about you know having people like engage with research and giving people an opportunity to discover it he said oh but people won't read that oh wow like, people, people are reading it and he was just there's so many yeah. things wrong with what this man has said I don't like I could like I think that there are at least 10 points in the past like minute of you t- telling me about this guy yeah. who I've never met where I'm like why would you why would you say any of this you I can- know it was like he was just mansplaining in person we were going oh like and people and I have to say he actually went around to a number of the other researchers in the tent uh, I think primarily it's not only the female ones and kind of tried to tell them that their research was wrong yeah. or that they were just wasting their time. Um, oh, I wonder what his job is. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's the thing I said. I said straight afterwards. I wish I'd said, what do you do your research in? Yeah. Or what's your website? And it was our first time actually, you know, meeting someone like that in person and getting that reaction to it in person rather than just online. And you are a bit taken aback, I think. I've got two two questions just to round off. The first is about contributors. How do you get contributions? And how can people who are listening to the show, for example, uh, decide to contribute to Women Are Boring? So most of them, we come, people are, I kind of just hear us about it mostly through Twitter and through other academics or people who, outside of academia, who read blogs. So they can follow us on Twitter and we're at Women Are Boring. And then to contribute, you can find out about it. It's womenareboring.wordpress.com and we have our Write For Us page. And you can find out about it there and just shoot us an email. We're womenareboring at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And then it's also just to say as well that, you know, we'll take um, women who are experts in anything. You don't actually have to be working in academia. Like we have some teachers coming up soon from um, like legal experts on, on things to do with like certain legal issues and all different things. So if you are a woman who's an expert in anything, like it's, you know, a finance, like anything really, and if you think that, you know, our blog would be a suitable site for you to have your work known about, or if you think that like you could write a piece that, you know, women and men would be interested in that would be like helpful, or you'd just like to have a go, if you shoot us an email, we'd be more than happy to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. we want to hear from everyone and get as, you know, kind of as many diverse um voices and people in different fields as we can also i was looking at your website and um what sparked my interest was this possible future podcast um because yeah, yeah. obviously i'm a big podcast fan as a podcast maker so could you tell me a little bit more about that so in january we're going to have our first episode of the podcast this has been again Catherine and i are full-time students and full-time all sorts of other things probably like yourself we have all kinds of projects going on and stuff mm-hmm. so we've been wanting to do it since we started but it also started everything started way quicker than we thought it would it just like took off so um in january we're going to have kind of 
our first big podcast. We're not sure exactly who the kind of featuring guest for that one will be. Yeah, it's still, still kind of a baby, yeah. the idea. <laughs> but it will be happening in January. Um, and then we're definitely going to be interested in having academics from all over um, and experts from in anything or any discipline um, mm. to talk with us. So hopefully then it'll be that podcast will be directed not just for academics, but again, just for women who are interested in hearing from other women doing cool things um, yeah. and it would be kind of pieces on news as well as research and yeah like and then we hopefully will um, start holding events as well so we will you know start in Ireland to like Dublin and Cork right. Galway Waterford maybe and then I think we'd love to eventually like you know do something in London a lot of our contributors are from the UK and um, you know I've kind of every, we want to go everywhere and spread the women are boring words it's so going to be enormous thanks so much for speaking to me Thank you so much for your Thank bye. you. All right, bye. So that was uh, our interview with Catherine Connolly and Grace McDermott from the blog Women Are Boring. Thanks so much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at VLW Radio, on Facebook, Very Loose Women Revamped is what it's called, our Facebook group. We have 305 Facebook followers, which I feel is not enough. So please, please, please follow us. And um, obviously we're on Acast, iTunes and Stitcher as Very Loose Women. Uh, if you want to hear the podcast versions, which are generally shorter um, of our radio shows. So uh, that's all from me uh, for this evening. Thanks for listening. Good night.